Here's what we talked about. Uh, the first noble truth, which is what, sweetie? Uh, the truth about suffering. Uh, we talk about trees falling in front of us. What's yeah. that all about? Well, and how we are able to either pick them up, walk around them, or just deal with it in present time. We also talk about how I sometimes have said to you in conversation when we're having a disagreement, I never want to be back here again. Todd's not a big fan of conflict. That's right. So we talk a little bit about that. And then lastly, we talk about this quote, the only way out is... Through. So if any of that resonates with you, take a listen to the podcast. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number... 667, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio, because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, on today's show, I have no idea. <laughs> Kathy, just as we were pressing record, she said, do you want to know what we're talking about? And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do in prep between now and five seconds from now when I press record. So what is it that we're talking about today? Uh, we are going to talk about... Um life. So liberty and the pursuit of <laughs> happiness. No. I was spending the morning writing about uh, the first noble truth, which is life is suffering. And I was kind of going into a deep dive about that idea. And actually it's not written as life is suffering. That's how people translate it, but it's actually the truth of suffering. Mm. And um, I want, I think we've talked about the four noble truths before, and I'm writing about them right now. Um, they are the first of uh, Buddhist teaching or the first of Buddhist Foundation teaching. of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Foundation. And I find that a lot of times when I have discussions with people about this concept of the truth of suffering or life is suffering, as some people translate it, people think it's negative and they're like, that's awful. And I wanted to have a discussion about the what that means and that... Because there's probably a lot of misinterpretation completely. of it. I mean, the obvious misinterpretation is that's negative thinking. Well, if uh, through a certain lens, if you tell me, yeah, life is suffering, that tells me that Buddhists think life sucks and right. that's just the way it is. Right, right, right. So I just Googled it, the Four Noble Truths, and you probably know this, sweetie, but yeah. they are the truth of suffering. That's the first one. Now, the second one is the truth of the cause of suffering. Mm -hmm. The third one is the truth of the end of suffering. Mm -hmm. And then finally is the truth of the path that leads to the end of suffering. Correct. There's not many, there's not a big variety of words in there. It's all about truth, suffering, and causes. Well, think about it this way. Um, there is suffering. There's a reason for it. There's a way that we can end it. And there's a path to find that ending. Mm -hmm. That's really the gist of it. Say that one more time. Um, there is suffering. Suffering there a, exists. There is a reason for suffering. There is a way to keep suffering from being overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And there's a path to walk to keep suffering from being overwhelming. So basically, the, the noble truths start with, here's an understanding. Here's an understanding of this understanding. Here it, And then there is like a, but you can't just have an understanding. You have to walk a path to, you, you don't just get to say, I think when we break down something like Four Noble Truths or any kind of ancient wisdom, there seems to be some like, well, I'm going to read these things and then I'll accept them. The truth about the fourth noble truth is that that then leads into the Eightfold Path, which is a whole nother process of awareness. The way to decrease suffering is to go through the Eightfold Path. So none of this is simplistic. This is all very... Um, it's a deep dive. It's finding meaning. It's it's investigating your thinking. It's paradoxical. It's everything you and I love, right? Yeah. Um, and it is not simplistic. Yet the way that they're written, some people take it too literally. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Well, <clears throat> and I don't think we're going to get into the eightfold path today. No. It sounds like we're just going to talk about. I'm just going to talk about number one. Number one. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that uh, one of my favorite two podcasts we did back to back where we talked about the Eightfold Path. It's back from podcast number 558 and 559. And we did it through the lens of managing screen time for our kids. Uh -huh. And there's a part of me that feels like that I should re-listen to that because I don't remember exactly what the Eightfold Path is. Mm -hmm. But it's got, you know, the Four Noble Truths seems like there's not a whole lot there. There's probably a whole world in there. Oh, there's a whole world, yeah. But... Um, 
it's about suffering and our relationship with suffering and the path out of suffering, whereas Eightfold Path probably gets into some more of the details and nitty-gritty. Well, the number four is the Eightfold Path. Do you oh, see what I mean? Like, here's how you do it, and then it oh. leans, and then it goes into it, so they're not separate entities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but the, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is, like, when we talk about the Eightfold Path, why do we do this? Because this is the path to decrease suffering. But before you get to that... You have to accept that there is suffering. You have to recognize where it comes from. You have to also recognize that there is a way to decrease it. And then here's how you do it. So Yeah, and I, I, this is Lady Redundant Woman yeah. over here. Okay. But really, the, the, the Four Noble Truths is about suffering. Correct. The first one is the truth of it. The second is the cause of it. Uh-huh. The third is the truth of the end of it. And the fourth one is the truth of the path that leads to the end of it. And that's what we talk about, the Eightfold Path. They literally have the word path in the fourth noble truth. Right. So it's like, all right, here's four bullet points for you. And once you get to the fourth one, we got eight more cooking, waiting for you. Here's You and I talk about, I'm going to be lady redundant, redundant woman. Okay. Because we're saying this 80,000 different ways. Right. Suffering exists, it has a cause, it has an end, and it has a cause to bring about its end. That is so much more helpful <laughs> than everything we've talked about for the first five minutes of this. I wrote that this morning. Can you say it one more sure. time? Suffering exists, it has Number a... Number one is suffering exists. exists. Got it. Number two, it has a cause. There's a cause to the suffering. Yeah. Check. It has an end. There's an end to it. That's good news. And it has a cause to bring about its end. And this is the way you make the suffering end. Correct. All right. Yeah. I could I can get on board with that. Yeah. Not the first five minutes of I the know. mumble jumble we talked. Well, about. and this is what's so enjoyable. You know, if anybody who's read Zen Parenting, the whole structure was about chakras. And this next thing I'm writing, um, I'm trying to use also ancient wisdom of you know four noble truths and eightfold path. And it's not about writing about them in terms of their history. I'm trying to make them more accessible now because there's no reason to recreate the wheel in how to do these things because these things have been around for thousands of years. Yeah. I think the gold is how you, me, us experience these teachings. And that's why I love the managing screen time because when the Buddhists wrote this thing down (laughs) 2000 years ago, whenever it was, they didn't know what a screen was. Right. So we are using this technology, I'll call it, this information from the Buddhists, and we're using this technology through the lens of how do we not go nuts when our kids are on their phones too much? Right, right, yeah. exactly. And how and how do we, instead of, like, like I said, recreating a wheel and coming up with all these new things and trying to test them and, you know, make sure they work. Or maybe I'll think about it in a different way. I think everything is an offshoot of ancient wisdom. Sure. And then we're readdressing the language and we're, re- you know, we're trying to figure out how to utilize it in this time and space. And I'm just being more literal. Like, this is exactly where I'm pulling this from. How can we use language that's not esoteric or, or hard to understand or I don't the goal is not to speak over people's heads Mm -hmm. like I am not the best way to do that is for you for us for anybody to share their experience of it well and I have to practice it myself yes I don't get to say I am a teacher of this because the truth is I'm not I'm a student of it Mm -hmm. but here's how it shows up for me and here's the language I use and here's an understanding of how to deal with something that is inevitable mm-hmm. and is not just about now. Mm-hmm. It's been about all of human history. Um, and there, there is something that if we can grasp these like universal truths, then we can utilize them for screen time. We can utilize them for a difficult day. We can utilize them for disagreements. I feel like this speaks to how we started last week's podcast, which was called Jeeps, Jeff Bridges, and Joy, or something like that. Joy, Joy Jeeps, and Jeff Bridges. And we talked about that um, that Duke basketball yeah, coach. Yeah. And it was about... Kara Lawson is her name. How to do hard better. Yep. And I think that speaks to what we're talking about. The heart is not going to go away. No. I want it to go away. No. It's not going to go away. So how do we get better at doing the hard things? Correct. And I actually, I think I wrote about her. Here it is. 
uh, again, her basketball coach, women's basketball coach, Kara Lawson, we read this last week, but she said, we all wait in life for things to get easier. It will never get easier. What happens is you handle hard better. So make yourself a person that handles hard well. But here's the thing. Okay. Sometimes life does get easy. Sometimes we go on vacations and we're sitting on sure. the beach. So for us to be like, oh, we, you know, life, life doesn't get better. It does. I love it when life is easy and comfortable. Um, but it's not going to sustain. Well, let's talk about that because that this is what gets so interesting about when we're talking about universal truth is sometimes we try and make it super literal. Yeah. Like you're saying life doesn't get easier, but when I went on vacation, it felt easier. Well, of course. Mm -hmm. We're not ta we're talking about the big picture of easier. We're talking about that once I get this job and I make this much money, life is going to be great and easy. Once I get married and have kids then I'm going to feel good all the time and life gets easy. Once I retire, I'm going to finally be happy and life gets easy. That's the easy I'm talking about. Yeah, right. Like those, those moments in a day, I always find easy moments in a day. I go get my coffee, I chill outside, I do Wordle, you know, go on a walk. Those are easy experiences for me. So I have easy every day. But life as a concept, like as you're going to be going through things your entire life. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was struggling. I was writing about this this morning. It's, it's, it's on the top of my head, which is why I wanted to do a show about this, because I think something I'm really investigating within this, my relationship to self-help. I'm trying to like kind of figure out and, you know, parse out like some of the help that I got from self-help and then some of the the harm some I got from self-help. Some of the utility that you took and Correct. used and it helped you and some of the damages, Correct. the cost, the cost. Or whatever. And, and I will even take responsibility for <laughs> the way I interpreted it because I'm not blaming a specific book or teacher. I'm just saying that sometimes the way self-help reads, there is an internal I'm doing it wrong yeah. kind of situation. And that could have been my interpretation, but I also because I study this and talk to people about this, I know this happens for a lot of people sure. where if you're having a difficult time and that's why I wanted to talk about life is suffering because when you're having a difficult time, people will be like, just think differently. What just you, think positive. What is, uh, you know, Wayne Dyer wrote that book. I read it yeah. on an airplane. Uh, what is it called? It's something like uh, change the way you look at things. And the things you look at change. Which tells me I just got to reframe everything and things will get better. So, Beautiful, another one to discuss. He, it's similar to Kara Lawson's quote. His concept of change the way you look at things and the things you look at get better uh, and the things you look at change, I mm -hmm. think is the actual quote, is true. Yeah. Like if you, like I was just having a discussion with a friend last night and once I could see her perspective on something, the way I viewed everything changed. So that quote is true. But sometimes we make it too granule, granular, granular, sure. where we apply it to every single situation yeah. and we'll say, well, this makes me sad. So I'm going to change the way I look at it so I don't have to feel this. Yeah. That's spiritual bypassing or that is, you know, jumping over something or denying something or, you know, defending something, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And that's where it, that's where there's so much nuance in this discussion that it it is... And here's what's so interesting is that as I'm writing, there are no answers, right? Very similar to Zen Parenting, where the whole gist of my book, Zen Parenting, is here's a whole bunch of things to consider. Here's how you can process making choices right here in this moment now, but you may not make this choice two weeks from now, depending on the situation. Yeah. And people are like, huh? Yeah. Because they're like, I need tell rules. me what to do. I need rules. And I need a formula correct. to experience life. Correct. And... Um, I got a bunch of formulas and some of the formulas are helpful. Yep. And some of the formulas or rules or laws or ways to live are unhelpful. Yeah. And some of them are actually damaging. Yes. Um, you know, my example as of the last few months is all about trying not to bypass, try not to bypass, just don't bypass anything, feel the feelings, don't escape discomfort. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of where I am right now, even though I still do a really good job of escaping discomfort. Mm -hmm. At least my brain is kind of on the lookout, like, okay, just don't, just feel the feelings. Mm -hmm. Because if I try to get around them or buy, or bypass them, they're going to come back and bite me in the ass at some point mm -hmm. anyways. Yeah, or, you know, if you think about all 
experiences and feelings and you know body sensations being messages and arrows, mm -hmm. then why, and again, this is just language. I don't want to act like this is super simple, but why would we ever want to not look at them? Mm -hmm. Like every feeling is a message. Every body sensation is an arrow. Look at this, notice this. Like we have this, I was just talking with our oldest daughter about this because she was saying, you know, we were both talking about how we struggle with this. And she was saying how what she's found to be the most challenging in life is when she decides to override her body. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, see, that's th there's nothing I need to even like. She already has learned it mm -hmm. at a young age. When you try to override your own body, and it doesn't mean sometimes, let me say this, sometimes, especially at a young age, you are afraid. So the body sensations you have are not necessarily the truth about inexperience, they're just fear. Or it's quite possible, let's go through the parenting lens here, I can hear somebody hijack my word saying, don't bypass, don't bypass, and they get angry at their kids and they yell at them. Right, like, hey, right. Todd, I did what you told me to do. I didn't right. bypass, I expressed my anger. Right. Like, that's not what I'm talking about either. There's a discernment right. in how to express feelings. And it's who you're with, what's going on underneath. Like, there's so many... And, I, and my brain just wants a rule. Just tell me what to do. Do I express my feelings or not? Well, it depends. Like, that's an awful answer, but it's the truth. The visual I get when we have these discussions, because I, you know, the picture I see, and it's a live photo for anybody interested. And that's the one that has like two seconds of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love live photos. I hate They're them. crazy. They're crazy. Someone will send me a picture and I feel like I'm seeing something I shouldn't. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I wasn't there. I shouldn't be seeing this. Yeah. But it's super cool at the same time. Anyway, the live photo I see in my head is that we are all trucking along on a path. Like, just visualize yourself like, you know, like a mouse running on the street or, or a human walking on the street. You don't have to become a mouse. Mice typically don't run <laughs> on the street, but go ahead. You're walking and you're following a path because there is internal, um, we do have things that are instinctual right? Like we do know that we need to eat. We do know we need to sleep. We do have these, you know, we do know we need to get up and go to bed. And so there's things that are instinctual. And so we're doing those things. And sometimes we come to blocks, mm -hmm. you know, something falls in the way of the road. There's an obstacle. And we have to figure it out. We can be mad at the fact that the tree fell over, but it still fell over and we still have to figure out how to get around yeah. it. Some people learn how to jump over it. Some people go all the way around. Some people stay behind the tree and say, I can't go any further. So the, the reason I'm using like the analogy of seeing yourself on a path is first of all, everyone's on it. So mm -hmm. you're not, when you're feeling stuck or like, wow, this is hard. Yeah. This is number one. It's noble not truth. denying the heart. It is. It can be very there hard. There is a tree in front of you. But what you were just describing before I gave this analogy is what wisdom is. Wisdom. And you can be wise at five years old. Sure. You can be, I'm not going to, I think we learn so much from, you know, the elderly or the older, you know, the older people in our family, yeah. the older people in the world. What's the word I'm looking for? It's the elderly? Elder, elderly, but... Elder energy? Yeah, just like, you know, they are wise because of life experience. But we can have wisdom in our own lives of like, that didn't feel right. So here's the messages and arrows. The tree falls in front of you. This doesn't feel right. I've tried this before and it didn't work. I got to be honest about the fact that I may need help with this. And what we're constantly doing is working that muscle of nuance and acceptance and difficulty and resilience. Like it's not all bad. You know, I like this analogy. It helps me. Okay. Tree falls in front of you. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of us, spend a lot of time questioning, why did this tree fall right. in front of right. me? And I consume, I expend a ton of energy wondering why this tree's in front of me, yeah. as opposed to figuring out how to get around it, how to move it, how to, and this is going to be weird, how to embrace the tree. Like yeah. this tree is here to, maybe I can climb on top of it and look at it from a different point of view that I otherwise wouldn't be able to do. And let me add another thing to it. It was also a living thing mm -hmm. that fell in front of you and, and, and died. Right. Like, I know that sounds really, but there's, there's an, an, an understanding that this tree had a life too. Mm -hmm. And there, and it's not just about you, it's having an experience too. The, the other analogy I get, and maybe I'll 
take us into a direction we don't feel like taking. But Michael Singer, who's one of my favorite authors, has the idea of the, the I think he calls it the Shakti, the energy, energy. flow through mm-hmm. us. And our job is to keep channels open, mm-hmm. to let the the life force come through us. And he's like, but our, our river is filled with boulders. All the time. And trees mm-hmm. and everything. And us doing our work. And when I'll say our work, I mean like questioning our reactivity to mm-hmm. our kid who who is on their screen all that too much or our partner who doesn't love us enough. Like these are all obstacles in our way. And what I want to do, my ego or my survival mechanism is like, I just need to get around this stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead of like pick in what Michael says is like, move the boulder either get rid of it or at least move it a little bit just to to allow energy to move a little bit differently. But I think we sometimes get stuck like, oh, there's that boulder again. And we, we just, we're stuck behind it. And I think bringing back life is suffering or the truth of suffering is there will always be boulders. Mm-hmm. And it's not because you've made a mistake or that life is out to get you. It's because that's the way of the path. That's the way of the river. That's the way of the street. Mm-hmm. That's the way of it is a and and there's nothing you can do about future boulders you can only do today. Yeah. So I think one of my awarenesses um about self-help was I think a lot of the work I was doing early on especially in my 30s was to avoid future boulders. Yes. If I do this hard work now, I'm not going to have any problems later on. If I do this heavy lifting now, um, I then will not have to deal with things other people have to deal with. There was a specialness to it. Mm-hmm. Like I know how to do this, so I'm kind of special. And the truth is what I did learn, and this is why I'm grateful for self-help, I did learn how to make hard easier yeah. or to like accept hard. Yeah. Like where I'd had so many things that I'm like, wow, I'm at least – I at least know that I can do these things, even if I don't like them when mm-hmm. they show up, I can keep going. And some of the work is to not pretend it's not hard. Uh, right? Completely. Um, you know, and I don't know if this, you and I were talking this morning and how when you and I would sometimes get in a very uncomfortable conversation, I would say yeah. something to the effect of, how do I make sure we never get back to this <laughs> uncomfortable conversation again? Yeah. And I don't know how much that relates to what it is that we're talking about today, but that's me not wanting any trees to on ever the road. fall again. Yeah, and the trees. I don't. I don't want to be like too lovey dovey about this, but the trees are what the the problems, the obstacles in a relationship are what gives us the ability to deepen our connection with one another. Mm-hmm which is weird because how would a tree help or how would um, a conflict or a disagreement help? It's the, it's the repair, right? That mm-hmm. happens between two people when there is a disconnect, which makes it, I think of like a broken arm. Right. When the arm refuses together, it's actually stronger. Correct. And I, I think, and this is again, like follow, you know, like go with me in this nuanced discussion because I think that that is all true, and this is where self-awareness and connection come together because when there is a boulder or a tree or just a challenge between two people that is just more emotional or in their head, yeah. you know what I mean? There may not be any tree there, yeah. but they've developed a story in their head. Yeah. Um, there's two things that are happening. Number one, yes, the ability to talk about that conflict does strengthen your relationship because when you re- you're making hard easier because mm-hmm. you're realizing that when things do get hard you have the capacity to discuss and it's not a bad thing and the other part is you're also becoming more aware of what stories you carry so a lot of times in my therapeutic world a lot of teachers they argue about how do we heal do we heal from connection and relationship or is it a self-awareness journey mm-hmm. and it's always both mm-hmm. To me, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I think the bigger part, I've learned this through this show and just in my own experience, self-awareness is a piece of the puzzle, but you have to translate that to the real world. Right. Meaning I am I think it's great if you've read every self-help book and you can recite back to me like all the things you've learned about yourself, but until you apply that, it really doesn't make much difference. And when you say apply, it's like, and I think I'm repeating what you're saying is, it almost doesn't mean anything until you can 
do it in relationship Correct. with another. If you are meditating, this is the most simple, you know, explanation. If you are like, I want to meditate, I'm learning how to meditate, meditation's cool, oh, it, it helps me calm down, whatever. But then when you're in an argument with somebody or an argument occurs, you lash out, you don't recognize your thoughts, you have you're completely impatient and you're not utilizing what you're learning in the meditation, then the meditation, maybe it, it makes you feel calm in the moment, but you're not taking the learning from yeah, it. Take yoga off the mat. Exactly. Take yoga off the mat, you know, take yourself off the medi- the meditation, cushion. you know, cushion. Like yeah. you have to, you apply it. So it's both of those things. It is, like you said, in a partnership or, or you know, when it's two people, you are learning more about yourself because you're, as you talk, you're like, oh my God, I made up that story in my head or, oh my gosh, I assumed... You know, like sometimes when I get frustrated, uh, and this has been, this is so long ago that it's easy for, you know, I, I know you won't mind a story like this, is sometimes if Todd's busy and he's being really productive and I'm feeling like I'm kind of doing stuff in the house and making time for things that he's not, my story becomes Todd doesn't care about my career. Mm. So think about that leap. Mm-hmm. Like how many, and, and, and I understand why I feel that way because... I'm watching you go forward. Mm-hmm. I also feel like I'm people pleasing. Yeah. I also feel like that's like a childhood history of I have to take care of everybody else. So many stories come together to the to this moment where I say, Todd, you don't care about my career. Right. And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So how I got there, it's important to be self-aware for me to recognize how did I get to that story? Mm-hmm. But then I have to manage that with you. Mm-hmm. I have to share that and be vulnerable enough where you're like, well, that's not true. And I can say, I know that's not like, once you and I are talking, of course you care about my, why wouldn't you? Like that only benefits everybody involved here. Um, And you know, that's the thing too, is sometimes when we're in argument with someone we love, it could be our spouse, it could be a sibling, it could be a parent. We often come at them and say, I'll use this, you don't care about my career. And that person's going to come back defensive and be like, what do you mean? Like, I'm here, I'm doing this, I don't see this. And you're fighting about that, those words versus all the stuff that lives underneath it. Yeah. And as an effort to try to give uh, the listeners some tools, um, one... And, you know, you're using that example because that's exactly, you know, you and I used to have to battle around those things. An easier way of putting something like that, because then somebody might be like, well, then I'm just not going to say anything to anybody. I'm not going to like call them out because if it's all my crap anyways, and the answer is somewhere in between. Uh, But I would go ahead. Well, I want to hold exactly what you were about to say. What I will say to that is that if someone took that from what I just said, that doesn't make any sense because Mm -hmm. the whole point is... How are you going to have this conversation mm. unless you're self-aware? Yeah. So you're not becoming self-aware to then say it's all my fault. That's yeah. self-help crap. Yeah. That's that's what I'm talking about. Well, and some one of the self-help tools that I've learned that helps is instead of me saying to Kathy, well, you don't care about this, I say something like, I make up a story over here in Todd's world that you don't care about that. Mm-hmm. And that is, you'd be like, well, what's the difference between just saying you don't care about something versus I'm just making up a story or I have a judgment around. Then that's something that I can, you know, own myself without blaming the other, um, even though you, there still might be some blame in the other, but just the way it's presented is is a friendlier way for the other to receive it. So it's just like a small little hack. And and the goal is to find a way to say it that sounds like you. Yes. Because I've said to Todd over and and it doesn't bother me anymore especially in this moment, but you know, sometimes when he was constantly saying, I'm making up a story, I'm making up a story. There's other ways to say that. There's like because of the my experiences, I'm perceiving it this way. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't seem like that's how you're perceiving it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a million different ways to say it right. where you can feel like you are taking ownership. Yeah of how you're perceiving it and recognizing that the other person has on different glasses. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, you know, couples therapy, that's what it's all about. It's can you hear my story with the glasses I'm wearing? And can I hear your story with the glasses you're wearing? Yeah. And can we realize that we just are seeing, it's like you have on sunglasses and I have on magnifying glasses mm-hmm. and we're seeing things completely differently. And everybody's glasses are going to be different Correct. because our glasses are composed of our experiences, our experiences. since we were a baby. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, everybody has their own special pair of glasses. Yes. And for, for you to expect me to be able to see with your pair of glasses is really, really challenging to An- do. Initially, until the conversation is had. Yeah. And then that's where the hard work begins with, with developing empathy. Mm-hmm. One thing that we've learned about empathy through research is it can be developed. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say you're either sensitive or you're not, you're yeah. either empathetic or you're not. That's, that's bullshit. You mm-hmm. can learn how to be more cognitively empathetic. Yeah. You can learn how to be more literally empathetic where you are like <laughs> showing up for someone and asking questions. And so we can... You're, Todd's right that you initially you have no idea what's going in. You know, the whole one of the biggest challenges in any kind of relationship is mind reading. Sure. Where someone's like, well, you should just know this about me. Yeah. You guys, I I hear you and I want people to know everything about me already. But really what we're saying is I don't want to have to share myself or I don't want to have to be uncomfortable in asking for what I need. So I instead need you to read my mind. Yeah. And that is a big ask on both sides. Now, as we develop our understanding and empathy of another person, my hope is that our ability to know that person grows. Mm -hmm. So like, I know that Todd knows, even though some, depending on what's going on, he can easily forget is I need words. Mm -hmm. So, you know, (laughs) sorry, I'm laughing because sometimes... He's he's working hard at it. I'm laughing though because I'll like walk downstairs and be like dressed up and he won't say anything. And he'll go, Oh, pretty. Yeah. And I can tell you don't really necessarily it's not that you don't feel that way. It's just that you're doing that for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite in that natural mode yet. What about that text I sent to you last week though? I forget what it's saying. You <laughs> when you were sick? Um I was out with the girls uh-huh. and you were carrying a lot of heavy stuff you have oh, for yeah. the last month. Yeah. And I listed out all the things yeah, that, was great. that great. you did. Mm-hmm. I should actually just find it. You know what was helpful about that? Um, I thought... I was very proud of myself for that one. I know, you did Because it's very not... Um, it's not like me. I said, sweetie's been carrying more than her share, her, her fair share, and I see everything you're doing. I love sweetie. Driving to appointments. Yeah, you don't need to read them all because they're all kind of... Laundry, connecting with our daughters each day, seeing your mom, getting dinner, Starbucks runs, writing in the morning, self-care, watching shows at night. I mean, I just, I kept, that's like one third of everything I said. And that's my way of trying to meet you in the language that you, one of the languages that you like to hear. And I think what was so great is it was kind of like a tree catcher because I wasn't really angry with you or frustrated no. with you. But what you did is you almost say you saved a tree. So you're, you're being like I was prepared. To f- fill you up. Fill, yeah. You were like, okay, she's going to lose her mind. She's depleted. What can I do to fill up her cup a little bit here? And tell her I see her yeah. because you were still sick, basically. I mean, yeah. you were around, but you were not. Yeah. It was still, we weren't there yet. But one thing that I want to share that made me laugh um, is Todd. This was, this was a while ago, but when Todd was... Still sick, but we were laughing about the text that he sent me the morning that he woke up. Yeah, that was and a good it one. says, "Bass bite for me." So B A S B I G H T F I R me. B die aches <laughs> headache, and then you were able to spell maybe a fever. Maybe will you translate for that for the audience? Bad night for me. Body aches, headache, maybe a fever. That's what I meant to say. Instead, I said what? Best bite for me. Be die aches, headache. That's me <laughs> trying to text um, without my glasses on <laughs> and feeling like I'm going to die. <laughs> and then your next one was, can you get me Swedish pancakes? Oh, <laughs> and I so, wrote, of so course. Good. Love those pancakes. Of course. And then one other thing that, t- that I was telling Todd this big story this morning and sharing with him. And every time I have, this is maybe another um, tool that people can use. Every time I start to go into the mode of where I really feel bad for myself. And there's a a nuance in there too, because there's the, I feel bad for myself. Everybody should feel sad for me, which is not healthy. And then there's the, also the recognizing that I've been doing hard work, which Mm -hmm. is healthy. And sometimes when I start to drop way too into the, and nobody's noticing, what comes into my head is this character. It's it's this actor named Ken Marino, mm-hmm. and he's um, 
anybody who I, I, I'm trying to think of a big movie that Ken Marino's been in. The the two things that Todd and I love him in yeah. are the movie Wanderlust, which we've talked about before, and I hope you can find a clip of him talking. And also, he did a a play on The Bachelor. Um, I don't know, probably like ten years ago, and where he played The Bachelor and. It was just super funny. I actually tried to find it recently, and you have to pay for it yeah. now. Um, but he's just a comedic actor, and he, he has this role in Wonderlust where he's always like, wah, <laughs> like he's like a total jerk. And I always envision him in as like a character in my brain when I start to feel really bad for myself, and it makes me laugh yeah. because I think about him kind of being that part of me that wants everyone to feel bad for me. <laughs> I think I got it. Okay. You lost your apartment? Oh, uh, but I want to stay in my apartment, even though I can't pay my mortgage. Nah, nah. <laughs> that sound, like his voice, yeah. is so in my brain. Meh. I know. He's like, <laughs> hold on. I got to play another part. They still use computers in New York City? Yeah. You want me to uh, enter this data? Are you questioning me? Don't question me. Here, you're not my brother. You're not my buddy. You're my employee. You're my employee. Got it? Are you serious? I'm, am I serious? You're fired. You're rehired, okay? Consider that a warning shot. Get to work. Punk. I can't believe you found that exact thing before of him saying, <laughs> This is the part where he melts down. I might have to cut some swear words <laughs> okay. out of it, but he's so good. I know. All right, then I'll shut up. I'll shut up. You know what? I'll shut up. Because I don't want to lecture you. watching Todd's face because he's watching the, the video. Okay, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay? But can I give you can I give you one piece of advice? Okay, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it Rick, wrong. Come can on. I get a word in edgewise here? You come to my house crawling for help. What do I do? I open my door to you. Can I please have some more mimosa juice? Marissa, please, mimosa juice. You know, you don't have a goddamn clue how to live life. I gave you a gift, and you think you can do better? Who else do you know who owns their own company? Oh, my God. So that, and just, that's... Just just rent just a, that movie. Just a great character, and he's so funny in that scene. I know it sounds like it's a serious scene, but it's not. No, it's a comedy. He's frustrated. And I, so I picture when I'm feeling really going down that spiral, it, there's this middle place of I'm recognizing that I'm doing hard work, and I have been totally... I feel like it's been like one of those month, months where I've been kicked around, right? Like where not by anyone specifically, but just like life. life is kicking me around. And then sometimes as I start to talk, I can dive into that other spot where I'm like, and nobody cares and nobody sees it. And that's not true. Um, but so it's like playing that balance of what the truth is and also recognizing that I don't need everybody to, I don't need every single person I know to come into the street and pick up the tree. Like it's, so, it, it's, it's part of life. Well, part of me is like when life is kicking me in the butt and I judge most people, um, I start to feel sorry for myself. Of course, yeah. And my question is, is that a good thing that I start to follow, feel sorry for myself? Because that's just my natural response to when life's kicking me in the butt? Or is that a disempowered, weakened state that I shouldn't? Well, that's what I was just trying to differentiate uh, between before you said that was I was trying to say like half of it, like there's a middle place. Yeah. <clears throat> half of it is you have to recognize that this is hard and, and the kind of hard that you know, we all have different versions of hard. Sometimes it's just one thing that we can't deal with. And sometimes it's a million things. Yeah. And sometimes it's one big thing. And sometimes it's the world. And you feel the way you do. And you have to acknowledge that feeling. That's important. Like that, there's nothing disempowered about saying I'm having a hard time. That's actually <clears throat> empowerment. But it can go off the rails where you want everyone to feel sorry for you. And the problem there is... Mm-hmm. Everyone is challenged with something. Everybody has their own stuff. And that doesn't mean, so you don't matter. Like, like I... That's I'm, what I do. What I do is I'm like, all right, I had a bad day at work today, or Kathy's mad at me, or something. And then I'm like, there's kids starving in India. Like, stop worrying. 
and I'm not saying that my response is healthy, but that's like my best bypass move is I think of somebody who is experiencing or has experienced something a hundred times worse than I am. And I don't even know if that's healthy. Well, and the question is, can you do both? Because I also, as I've said on this show for 10 years or 11 years, I sometimes get into a funk and I go watch Law and Order and I'm like, they're going to prison. I'm not. Things are Things fine. Are so there's a bit of like a, I'd like to get out of my own body right mm -hmm. now. I mean, it's why I watch certain things that I do. So I can be like, but if you are like, I'm feeling uncomfortable, I'm feeling uncomfortable, I have to go like figure out someone who's having a harder life. Mm -hmm. That's a bypass. Like yeah. there is a, you know, like I keep going back and forth with my hands <laughs> because like what people don't want is two things to be true or 12 things to be true at yeah. the same time. And there is, you know, when someone's like, well, how much do I feel sorry for myself versus how much? I don't know. Like there is, and, and what I mean by that is in this month, I've needed a lot of care support um but i but it hasn't been able to come from other people yeah. i've had to do a lot of like okay i'm gonna go to bed early or i'm gonna you know have a coffee in the radical. middle of the day radical self-care because i knew because of everything going on this is it's not that i can't share it or reach out for help but right now that's not available the reality of it was i was either gone or i was sick or your mom can't support you in the way you want. So like there's a reality right. to your situation. And that's because my mom yeah. is dealing with dementia. It's not because she's not a loving person. Yeah. But I, you know, there you, you've switched over. There's caregiving or my girls are having a hard time or they're sick. Yeah. Or, you know, JC got <laughs> after having all of her you know, our whole bout with COVID three weeks ago or whatever, she then ended up with strep the other day and then the doctor thought it was mono. Like it was, it's just been one thing after, after another. another yeah. And we have, I feel, um, it hasn't, it hasn't caused the whole forest to fall apart. I think we have, you know, like what you were just saying, how, I don't know what you were just saying, you're proud of yourself with that text you sent me. I'm proud of myself with how I've managed this month. Sure. I think I've been very... Um, I think I have not surprised myself, but I think I basically would wake up every day and say, go do it. Just go do it. Just do the next thing. Yep. Take care of the next thing. Um, keep on, keep, keep on. on, keep on, keep on, on, go for your rides and, you know, go for rides in the car, go for walks and not as like a checklist of self-care, but it's the only way to get through. Right. Yeah. Um, well, that's the other thing. Like, <clears throat> I think there's quotes are really helpful yeah, to me and me to too. you. And I don't know if there's any negative interpretation of this quote, which is the only way out is through. Sure. Love of that quote. It's right? one of my favorites. Yeah. Like maybe I, every quote we can kind of pick apart and, and interpret it in such a way where um, it's not that helpful. But that one is a pretty good one. The and only way out is through. Exactly. That's actually, I totally agree with you, Todd. It's like one of my favorite... Um, it's one of my favorite human recognitions. Like it's, it's often hard. I don't want to get too like deep in the weeds here, but I think when, you know, we were talking about suffering and nuance and how you have to, you know, when you're feeling bad for yourself, you have to recognize it, but not go into a hole. And there's not a lot of language or something someone can say to you that encapsulates all of it. Yeah. But the only way out is through does, mm -hmm. which it, the only way out, which is hopeful is to experience all of these things, which is challenging. I would even add to that quote because that isn't the only way out. There's a lot of ways out, but this is the only productive way out because you and I were talking about sometimes when we we or people are conflict averse and there's, yeah, another way out is just to not have that difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. That's a way out. Mm -hmm. But the only healthy way out is through. Mm -hmm. And I would even say to, because you're right, but there is no way out. You're just going to stay in it. Yeah, and, and then you won't right, get out right. at all. So you're really not out. Right. What you true. did is you went into another room. Yeah. Or you took 
a path that is not going to get you to where you want to go. Yeah. You took a left, even though you still need to be going straight, you just don't want to deal with that tree. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, I'm going to go yeah, this so way. So you're still trapped. Yeah, you're still trappedness yeah. And so, and, and the trappedness could, then you could, you know, going back to the path analogy, maybe you did take a left and then you get another opportunity to take a right. Mm-hmm. And then there's always another chance. Yeah. That's the thing. Life's it's gonna it's, keep it's not like chance. you took a left, so oh, you're screwed. It's like, no, you can get another chance to go right, but you may need to do the heavy lifting then because the tree may still be there. Yeah. So you, so the beautiful thing is for those of us who feel like we have been conflict avoidant or that we have left a lot of messes on the table yeah. and like not figured it out. Um, we have too many analogies and metaphors going here, but we, there's always another opportunity to do that. So for me to keep the analogies going, <laughs> the river, the life force of the river of our energy, there's a boulder there, right? Okay. It's not going anywhere unless you do something to try to right. move it. And no. I think that me as human beings, sometimes like, God, I hope that boulder goes away by itself. And you know what's interesting, Todd? The sun, mm-hmm. the water hitting the boulder could decrease it. Yeah. Sometimes things over time do, like, I have been struggling with something and then turned around and that thing isn't as big yeah. as it was before. Right. I still may need to grapple with what it meant to me and how it affected me. Mm-hmm. But the truth is nature and other and outside things that have nothing to do with us can affect that sure. boulder. But we can't always depend on that. Yeah. And that, I think, is an example of that's when we're looking around the world and saying someone needs to come solve these problems for yeah. me. Sometimes people do, and sometimes the sun does, and sometimes mm-hmm. the water does. But it it does. if we go through life that way, then we are waiting. Yeah, We are waiting for something to change versus... I would like something to change, but I need to do my due diligence Step in this process. Step into a place of empowerment yeah. to move that boulder. Every now and again, life graces, God graces us and does something wonderful that we... We could have never predicted. Right. Yeah. But most of the time, we got to move our own stuff, carry and, our own bags. And, you know, that's kind of as we're, I'm sure we're kind of coming to a close here. And that idea, Todd, of like sometimes something is realized or a dream that we never knew we had comes to us or a gift is offered to us. And I think that's just as real as the boulder. Sure. I think that we should come to expect grace and things and dreams that are bigger than our own. Not expect like, bring it to me now like a magic genie does, but that that is part of life too, is that life is not linear. Stay open for the miracles. Correct. It's not certain, but in that uncertainty also lives things that are awesome that we could have never predicted. Where, you know, I was talking to a friend yesterday, like with my kids, um, sometimes the things that I thought were really important or best for them. And I was like, they need to do this because it'll make me feel good about what they're doing and it'll lead them on the right path. Some of the time that did occur, but when it didn't, I'd be like, oh. But then in hindsight now, you look back and you're like, oh my God, if that would have occurred, yeah. then these other things that they found on their own wouldn't sure. have happened. And so sometimes we have to recognize, again, let's just go, we're just bringing it full circle. Those trees that fall in front of our kids or those things where we're like, you need to go down that road. And they're like, no, I'm going to go this road. There's more to it than just they're doing, they're disobeying you or something. There's there's a message and arrow in their soul. Too. When I say all those things, all these boulders, all these trees, all these things that get in our way are our character builders. Yeah. It's, our, it's how we become resilient human beings. Yeah. And human beings are super resilient. Yeah. And I think in the midst of it, you know, I remember the show we did, you know, when I was still sick and I had lost my voice. And I remember saying a lot, I don't know if it came across this way, but you'd ask me a question and I'd be like, I just don't know right now. Like, I don't have much to say. I haven't written a lot besides this, this book thing I'm working on. I haven't written a lot of like Zen parenting moments. And that's not because I'm like, I don't want to. It's because I don't really know yet. Mm -hmm. I've been going through a lot and I don't have a lot of, so there's the answer. I, I tie, love, a lo- tie a nice bow around right. us. I, I may not have any answer and it may not necessitate an answer. It just is a hard time. Um, and, and a lot of the hard time, when I'm putting that in air quotes, has been from the world. Yeah. My discomfort with you know politics, my discomfort with uh, the direction and the oppression of, of women and people of color and the, the direction we're going. It all scares me and it burdens me. But that's when I'm also like, okay... 
I, what is my role? Where can I be? What can I focus on that is helpful? How can I stand up, do my piece? And, you know, a friend of ours last night was saying, and like, realize what you have control over. Yeah. And that's work for me too. Cause sometimes I'm, I'm like, I got to do it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. We spend a lot of our time in other people's business, right. whether it's a person, whether it's God's business, somebody's business. We spend, I spend a lot of my time messing with that. And that declaration that I just made doesn't mean I'm not going to do things. It means I'm going to be more specialized. Yeah. It means I'm going to be like, I'll do Where it here. Where is my energy exactly. going to be yeah. deployed? Correct. And I deploy sometimes energy in a direction that I'm not going to change nothing, yet I'm deploying a ton of energy that way. So we got to like be protective over where we yeah. expend this energy, this precious life force energy. Sweetie, you make me want to say ahoy, polloi. Ahoy, polloi. <laughs> um, okay, any uh, last last thing, sweetie? So um, just to kind of, you know, bring all these funny analogies together, we talked about the truth of suffering or what people say life is suffering and how that's actually a lot more nuanced. We talked about a river. We talked about a path. We talked about a plate. We talked about animals. Did we talk about animals? We talked about a mouse in the street. <laughs> we talked about that easier, that when we say we want things to get easier, that things can be easy in the moment, but over time, we just have to get better at doing hard things. Um, and that that's really part of life. And that's where wisdom comes from. And, um, and that this conversation, there is no end. There's no end to it. No. What if we just cut off right now to make that point? That would be kind of cool. I know, but we we're not going to do, do it. Okay. Um, if you want to talk to Kathy and I live on Zoom, we have a Zen Talk this Friday. So if you want to join a community of amazing parents and get on with us twice a month and then get access to all the other Zen Talks that we've done over the last three or four years, check out Team Zen. It's on our website. Um, and then don't forget our um, partner of the week, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. His website is avidco.net. And then don't forget, we have uh, Men Living. I'm the executive director of this organization where we create spaces for men to connect authentically and vulnerably. If you're interested, go to menliving.org. Speaking of, Todd, I just, uh, Instagram was open on my phone and I don't know if you posted this or Sean did, but it has your schedule for the week. Oh, nice. It's really good. Good. You thanks. guys should do this all the time. I know. We're working on because it. Because it basically lays out what they're offering every day this week. So there's so many. You have like meditations, uh, divorce, support, separation and divorce group. Full houses. Uh, full house, small batch. I don't know what a small batch is. Five o'clock somewhere meeting. Yeah. So it just, I mean... If I was somebody who was kind of interested, I'd be like, oh. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and then don't forget, Kathy has a book called Zen Parenting. Yeah. Parenting ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. Yeah. The, the new email, the things I'm getting from people, um, the audio book is the one that it send, tends to sell the most. Mm -hmm. um, but then people will say they listen to it, but then they got the book at the library or bought it so they could like underline things. So I think sometimes you listen to it. And then you're like, but wait, I want to hold that piece of information. Do you ever get frustrated by that on podcasts where you're like, I, I want to remember that? Yeah. How do we... I write it down on my phone. Do you? Well, if I, on a good day. Yeah. When I can. Well, so for those of you who have been um, listening to the audiobook or purchasing it, thank you very much. Um, all right. So we will catch you all next Tuesday. Let me do the outro music. catch you all next Tuesday. Hope to see you on the next Zen Talk. Keep trucking, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.